welcome to Basketball Reasons, part of the Forum Club here on the Athletics NBA Podcast Network. I am Bill Oram, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic, joined by my colleague Brett Dawson. Brett, have you been listening to as much Elvis Presley over the last couple of days as I have in preparation for a playoff series in Memphis? You know, uh, Bill, Elvis was a hero to most, but he never, never mind. No, I have not. I, uh, that The answer to that question has never been yes. I'm not a big Elvis guy. Elvis is always on my mind. Um, but... Uh, especially now, it's you know I I think we were all kind of thinking this was going to be a big New Orleans Lakers one eight playoff series, and suddenly the last the way the last few days have gone, I'm I'm starting it looks looking more and more likely that Memphis might be able to hold on to it. You know they obviously had a big win against Brooklyn while while New Orleans lost to uh, Dallas in overtime on Wednesday night. Um, they're five games back of the eight seed with twenty games to go. That's that's a lot of ground to make up in a short period of time. I'm going to be really interested to see how this how this plays out. But yeah, I was I was planning meals. I had a you know I was trying to schedule out what my days were going to look like in New Orleans. But you're right that the Minnesota loss was a bad one this week. Um, I saw a, a, a stat. I want to say I don't want to say who it was from because I don't remember. But I, I saw that that the Elias according to the Elias Sports Bureau, uh, they're back five with 20 to play, and only one team has ever done that. It was a Bullets team in the 90s. Um, so. It doesn't look great for New Orleans now. The schedule is still pretty soft, but the thing is, you know, they have lost, I think, three out of their last four, and they lost to Minnesota. So the, the soft schedule part, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to make of, of how soft their schedule is at this point. They just don't look like a team that's ready to do this. Yeah, I mean, in Memphis, you know, Memphis, some of their next games, it's, you know, they they, they have a game against Atlanta, a game against Orlando. Um, you know, those are they're, they're going to keep winning some games, even if the even if the rate slows down a little bit. Um, yeah, that's, but I, I like Memphis, like as a, as a destination in April, I'm ex- I'd be excited for a few nights in Memphis. I know it gets, a, gets a bad rap throughout the NBA, but I enjoy, I enjoy a, a few nights in Memphis. There's a lot to see, a lot to do. Uh, obviously get to watch John Morant for a few days. I would take that, but Memphis is great. You know, I've, I've, I've things to do in Memphis. Like I, I've been to Graceland. I enjoyed Graceland very much. I went to Sun Studios last time. Like the music history in Memphis alone makes it, makes it worth the trip. I will say it has looked increasingly like it was going to be New Orleans and 538, which, you know, you can you can sort of nitpick their their metrics because they are a little complicated and they take into account the ease of New Orleans schedule. Um, but New Orleans was really high in terms of the percentage to make the playoffs. They're now at 43 percent on 538. It's still well ahead of Memphis at 18 percent. But the team to kind of I think is intriguing there is Portland all of a sudden has jumped up to 23 percent and not just because they're not intriguing just because they've jumped to 23 percent. They're intriguing because. Nobody has really separated from them. They're getting Dame Lillard back. I, I'm not ready to write off Portland in, in this situation either. I think the Kings probably won't do it. They are right there right now. Um, but I, I think Portland is the other team to really watch, which I don't think to, would disappoint you if you landed in Portland for a playoff series, right? Listen, I'm trying to talk about the tourism in Memphis, and you like want to talk about like like hard data, which is just really, really killing I, my vibe here. I'm giving you an opportunity to talk about Portland, though. Which, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yes, obviously, as a as a native Oregonian, I would love the opportunity to spend uh, springtime in, in Portland. Also, it's beautiful that time of year. That would, that, but in terms of but Memphis, I'm telling you, there's a haunted bar, brothel turned bar. I've got spots in Memphis, but I guess we'll find out. That's what that's what that's that's what they play the games for. Right. That is what they play the games for is to determine where you are going to spend a couple of days <laughs> in April. Spring. You know, this is gonna be my first playoff series with the Lakers ever. That's crazy. I've covered the Lakers since 2013, the first year after Kobe tore his Achilles, and they haven't been to the playoffs since. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what you know the Lakers in the playoffs look like. You know what what a playoff what a playoff run with this franchise looks like. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. And it's gonna be a lot of 
I think a lot of good battles because I think if the playoffs were to start today, um, let's see, it would be, would it be, it would be Memphis in the first round, Houston in the second round, probably. Yeah. If it was Houston versus the Jazz and, and then um, Clippers in the conference finals, right? Like, or presumably. Cl- yeah, right. If everything Clipper, held the seat. Clippers are, Clippers are Denver, I suppose, right? Isn't is Denver in second right now? Yes. Uh, so. The Clippers might actually be in second right now. It's very close. Cool. But neither of them are going to catch the Lakers. Uh, it is a it is a full game lead for the Clippers in second. So yes, it would be Rockets second round Clippers uh, in the conference finals if if things held the seed, as you said. Um, okay, well uh, the playoffs you know are are coming. We know they're coming. They'll they'll be here in a matter of weeks. But in the meantime, Brett, the Lakers have oh let's see, they have twenty two games left. They are forty seven and thirteen. Five and a half games ahead of the Clippers in 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 the West, um, and the and the regular season I think is going to slowly decrease in meaning and value as we get closer to the postseason. I think you're going to start seeing more guys um, resting. LeBron, AD, Alex Caruso sat out the last couple of games, and he said on Sunday in Memphis that or at following the game in Memphis that it really had more to do with the wear and tear of the season as opposed to any specific real injury. So I think um, you know I think that you're just going to see. Perhaps by the time we get to April, uh, the Lakers at full strength less and less. Um, but I think we're a few games away from that because we're coming up on a really meaty, meaty and really exciting portion of the schedule when the Lakers started actually on Tuesday against Philadelphia, a, a depleted Sixers team. But tomorrow night they play the Bucks, the mighty, mighty Bucks of Milwaukee, uh, the best team in the NBA with a, a likely MVP candidate. And then a couple nights later, days later, I should say, since we get a, a 12:30 tip off against the Clippers, and then in, in the in the week to follow that, we see the Rockets, we see the Nuggets, we see the Jazz twice. The Lakers have a a fun stretch of games here. What do you expect over the, over these kind of these big tests kind of in their final, what I would consider their real final tune up before the postseason? You know, I would expect one. I, I think they'll be pretty locked in. We've seen this team take the regular season very seriously with some exceptions. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the Memphis game last week was kind of an outlier in terms of them just really not having it and never having it. They made one run in that game, which has been pretty rare for them to not make a pretty significant run. Um, and I think we've seen some other games recently. The game LeBron missed at Golden State, uh, not a lot of energy there. Even the start of the Philly game the other night, I didn't think they were very locked in. They didn't really bring the kind of energy that they typically do to the start of a game. Um, I think we'll see that flip now uh, this week and into next week, this weekend, I should say, and into next week. We talked about the, the the gap that New Orleans would have to close to get to the playoffs. That's a very similar gap to the one the Clippers would have to close to get the one seed. And that's very unlikely. The Lakers are in really good shape, but this is a really tough schedule. And if the Clippers win on Sunday, they secure the tiebreaker. That would be a done deal. They would have three wins against the Lakers with only one more to play. So that, that gives them an extra game really in the race. So the Lakers, they're not quite home yet in terms of locking up the one. Um, I think, you know, they're, they're in very good shape, but they need to play well in this stretch. And I think the other thing for the Lakers is now you're getting Toward the end, you're gearing up toward the playoffs. And while they've done very well, they've played very well against Denver and Utah, for example. I do think it's time to maybe start to change that idea that they are not beating the very elite teams in the league. That's what makes Friday's game against the Bucs so compelling. Because when the the Lakers went to Milwaukee in December, that was a game that that, uh, Milwaukee really, really kind of controlled throughout. Giannis uh, played a tremendous game. He shot, he was shooting the three. Did he make five threes in that game? Something like that. He had just a tremendous night from the perimeter, which is obviously not really his game. Wesley Matthews was good against the Lakers. Kyle Kuzma did not play, if I recall. He was still nursing something at that point. Um, so the Lakers 
will be at full strength. They'll be playing um, a Bucks team that, you know, I think a lot of people think that could be a finals matchup, uh, Lakers and, and, and Milwaukee. It's also the, the final regular season matchup of the two likely finished top two finishers in MVP voting. You know, obviously Giannis is the reigning MVP, won it last year. Is is he your choice to win it again, Brett? Uh, he is. I, I think um, there's a case to be made for LeBron. And I think the case for LeBron is is just, you know, I think it's primarily built on how much he's meant to the Lakers. That's not to say Giannis hasn't meant a lot to the Bucks. That's why I think Giannis is going to win. But I think the case for LeBron is the way the Lakers have dropped off when he hasn't played. Um, you know, not only games he sat, but minutes off the floor. Um, I think just his command, uh, his, you know, the, the way he's run the offense, he leads the league in assists, um, you know, and they are one of the best teams in the league. And I think, too, there's a career achievement piece to this, right? He is LeBron James. He only has so many more chances to win this. And I think there's sort of an emotional pull there. But from a statistical standpoint, the Bucks are a significantly better team at this point. They have a lead on the Lakers, pretty similar to the one the Lakers have on the Clippers for the best record in the league. And Giannis has had an incredible year. It's not like he's statistically, it's not like he's a debatable MVP candidate. Statistically, he's the best player in the league. Uh, I, I think the, the pull of that on the best team in the league is probably going to be a little too strong. Yeah, I think that's the that that's the problem, right? Like if this was just a normal year or if, if, if there was a, another star player having kind of a, a normal superstar kind of year, LeBron might win it. Like he is, like you said, what he has meant to the Lakers, the fact that he you know has really set a tone for them defensively, that um, that he has played, you know, virtually every game. He's missed only a handful of games. Um, that he's continuing to average north of 25 points, that he's been an accommodating superstar with Anthony Davis here. He's at not far off from a triple-double double in average. I mean, he's averaging 25 points and 11 assists and almost eight boards. Um, it's all incredible stuff for LeBron, shooting the three pretty well. The problem is that, that Giannis is having such a transcendent year already and that the Bucks are so much better than the Lakers in their conference in terms of win-loss. I just I just think that LeBron is basically blocked out of winning it this year, no matter what he does, because of how good Giannis and the Bucks have been. But that gets to this bigger philosophical question. And and you and you touched on it with career achievement. If you're voting and I've, I've had a vote, you know, most years, uh, I think you have also. Do you take into consideration that LeBron James is 35 years old, has won four MVPs, is arguably the greatest player of all time? He's in the in the conversation. It, do, does it does it does it does it? factor into your thinking that you don't know if you're going to have the opportunity to vote for LeBron James again. Is this your last chance to vote for LeBron for MVP? No signs of him slowing down. I'm not saying that he's going to disappear after this year, but he is he is 35 and and at some point it will happen and you just and you just don't know. And he's had an MVP worthy year. He's had a year that is worthy of an MVP honor, but probably just not relative to the guy he's going up against. Yeah, I mean I think in a perfect world that doesn't affect you. Uh, in the same way, a lot of emotional factors hopefully kind of don't come into play. I think you want to give it to the guy who is the most valuable uh, to his team. And and if that guy is, I, I think you want to give it to the best player who's also the most valuable guy to his team. I think there's a, there's a weird line there. And there are strange things that happen in voting uh, that I think we've seen over time. One of them is fatigue with a certain player. Um, I think there's always been this thing, you know, we, we talk about guys like, I, I think, Two of the all-time great examples. LeBron is one of the, maybe the three great examples in the modern era. Matt, uh, Michael Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal are guys who could have won it like every year. You could have given the award every year to Michael Jordan and felt pretty good about it. He was 
the best player in the league for a very long run. But Carl Malone wins it sometimes. You know, Shaq was this incredible force who was unstoppable and, and most years was probably the hardest guy in the NBA to deal with. Steve Nash wins it a couple of years when he could have won it or Kobe Bryant could have won it in years that Steve Nash won. Kobe never really got, you know, there was never really a fatigue situation with him. Um, but but other guys were winning it in years when Kobe easily could have won it. So I think the opposite can be true for a guy like LeBron. You want to give it to somebody different. Um, and so that can happen. And I do think that this other thing can happen. Giannis just won it. He's been the guy that everybody's talked about for most of the year as the leader. And I do think there can be some kind of fatigue and some interest in storylines. You're hearing a lot more LeBron talk lately about MVP. Alvin Gentry said after the New Orleans game the other day, he doesn't know why anybody talks about anybody else. That's a little bit extreme. You can look at the MVP like an Oscar, where sometimes... You know, this is a great year for LeBron. He's absolutely deserving. It's not his best year, and he's probably deserved MVP as much or more than he has in some other years. But sometimes actors get it for not their best work either. It's like, oh, well, this guy hasn't won one, or he hasn't won one in a long time, or this person, she's been nominated so many times but hasn't won. I, I think there, there comes this thing where it's like time to give it to somebody. Uh, and that can happen with the MVP. I just don't think that's going to happen with LeBron, who is a multi-time winner. Uh, and Giannis, who just won last year, has just been so good. Yeah, I think I think that's it, and I don't think there is any fatigue with Giannis because he's yeah. he remains such a you know phenomenon, right? He he's he's twenty five years old. Um, the fact that he became a star of this caliber, um, you know, after you know kind of finding his way for the first couple of years in the league, it still feels very fresh. I mean, he still feels like a very new star. I, I, you know, and not you know, I think if there was fatigue, it would be with James Harden or Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Um, Giannis is just a an exceptionally likable player on a team that, I mean, it's hard to have ill will toward Milwaukee, the dynasty of Milwaukee, right? Like this is an organization that has done things, you know, largely the right way, invested in their players, um, built it from the ground up. Um, so it's, you know, it's not the traditional makings of fatigue. So I, yeah, I, I would be really surprised if LeBron was able to win the MVP this year. And I, and I say that as somebody who would not have a hard time voting for him, if not for the the presence of, of Giannis. I just think that a vote for LeBron at this point is disrespectful to Giannis. And that's okay, back in December when, when they're going into that game, I felt like the head to head matchups might matter because, you know, it could be that close. And by the way, Giannis completely outplayed LeBron in the first matchup. But I don't even think it's close enough now in a situation where LeBron, if LeBron hung 60 on Giannis tomorrow, I don't I don't know that that would be enough to change the body of work for the whole season. I, I tend to agree with that. And look, we still have a stretch run. Um, and so things can change. There's just been very little to indicate that Milwaukee is going to have a drop off. Um, if, if that were to happen, um, you know, that would that that could change things. If the Lakers had a real surge and the, the records got within a few games of each other, uh, as opposed to the five games they are now, maybe the Western Conference thing helps LeBron. Certainly, you know, the Bucks, the Bucks have played more games against sub 500 teams. That's the virtue of playing in the East where really it's not a huge difference. I think it's, it's, they've got seven or eight more games maybe against sub 500 teams because the East has a couple more of them. It's really not a huge number. I think it's two more. Um, but, but they just, they, because you're playing those teams the most often, they're 37 and one against teams with sub 500 records. The Lakers are 29 and two. So there is a, a gap there, but not a huge gap. Uh, the, the Bucks have been better against the best teams than the Lakers have been. There's just not a lot that says to me, oh, that, that if you look at this, Milwaukee's in a position to kind of tail off a little and the Lakers can surge uh, and make this thing more of a race. I don't I don't see that, but it, it, it is possible that that the the Lakers close the gap a little and LeBron is really spectacular. But as you said, I think if they get to a point where they're, 
very comfortable with or or at some point have locked up the one seed, we're probably going to see LeBron rest. And that might also be the case for Giannis. Certainly, they're going to have a huge lead. But if they're both resting, that's the advantage to Giannis. And listen, I mean, LeBron's going to be first team all NBA. He's, you know, he's I mean, it's it's been a tremendous year. I mean, I think he has, um, you know, maybe even outperformed expectations this year. If you look at the fact that this was the first time that it felt like people were starting to maybe question LeBron a little bit coming into this year. I don't go all the way to the washed king narrative that LeBron has has been pushing, but the idea that, you know, maybe there was going to we were going to start seeing the the initial signs of a drop off or that like, you know, even one thing that someone in the NBA told me coming into this year was, how do you look at LeBron's injury last year? Is it is it a fluke? Is it a thing that, you know, he just had to recover from and then he's back to normal or, you know, in a couple of years we look back on the the day he tore his groin in um in Golden State and say, oh, of course. I mean, of course that was the the beginning of the end. It was clear as day, right? And you just don't know until you get into the season. And LeBron has clearly uh, been, I won't say unaffected because he's dealt with, you know, some nagging groin things throughout the year, but he has been at an MVP, truly, I believe, at an MVP level all year. It's been remarkable. So none of this, none of this is to take anything away from the year LeBron has had, which is exceedingly impressive. It's just it's just going up against, you know, an all-time great year by Giannis. Yeah, and I think it's hard for me to say that you give the guy bonus points for being 35, not for the MVP. It's it's an incredible year regardless of his age, and it's even more remarkable that it's his 17th year in the NBA and he's still doing these things. Not only like the the thing about LeBron that strikes you, this is my first year being around him all the time, like the the, the basketball intellect is the thing that amazes you, that he, not just that he can complete these passes he completes, but that he sees them, that you can often tell that he knew what he was going to do for, you know, an entire, from the time he brings the ball up the floor, he knows exactly where he's going. He's, he's the smartest basketball player I've ever been around, but he's also still just just exceptionally athletic. He still does things with his body that you can't imagine a guy does at 35. And I I, I saw some suggestion uh, this week on Twitter that maybe like that should be an advantage to him that he's still doing this over this prolonged period. But that really still gets back to the lifetime achievement thing. That's what the Hall of Fame is. It's not really what an individual MVP award should be. And and I feel like every time I say that I'm I'm degrading LeBron season, as you said, it's it's not that in any way it's not a degradation of it at all it's really uh just a holding up of how great Giannis has been I agree with that I agree that uh LeBron it's hard because if you say LeBron's second best it immediately feels like a slight to LeBron both guys are great both guys have been great both guys are deserving both guys will be first team all NBA um and and hey maybe one of them will be the finals MVP and maybe we'll be sitting there in, in June and have the choice uh between them and we get to pick the winning teams uh superstar as finals mvp i'm sure lebron um as much as lebron would like an mvp another mvp trophy i'm sure uh we know what finals mvp would mean uh to him also because it would be that that uh next ring so uh that's probably what it's all about but i do enjoy the the individual um the individual uh debate and by the way i just would like to be on the record as saying that i hate that postseason awards are now not given out until after the draft I, I know we're in year four. I just hate it. Like, I'm over it's, it by then. I don't care. It's ridiculous. We are debating an award that won't be given out until June 20, what, 6th? Yeah. Please. Something like that. I covered the first one of those. I covered the the award show that was in New York because um, that's when I was covering Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook won the MVP. Um, and it just, it feels like such a weird afterthought thing. It's such an odd, odd thing to be dealing with that because you, you're, you're basically, you're, the draft, I think, had happened at that point. Um, and you're starting to think about free agency. It's just squeezed in between these really big, momentous uh, offseason things 
to look back feels really weird. These are very forward. It's like a very forward moving time of the offseason for the NBA. It's the draft and it's free agency. And then you take this break in the middle to look back. It feels completely out of place. Yeah, I like I always like kind of the rollout of it, like kind of over the course of the playoffs. But if you want to do something like why not do it between the conference finals and the finals? Right. Like the NBA is kind of gearing up for kind of the big culmination of the season before you kind of put the final stamp on the season. Let's look back at, at how we got there and, and honor and honor the the, the stars. I, I'd be fine with that. Um, but anyway, I die. Yeah, the idea of it being an event, by the way, just real quickly, one more rant about yeah. this thing. The idea of it being an event is really undercut by the fact that really only the people who know they're going to win are going to show up. You're not going to get like all the MVP candidates to come and be on camera and, and, you know, have a, a reaction to the other guy winning. Everybody knows what's going to happen by the time it happens. And certainly the guy who's going to win knows that he's going to win. Yes, that is true. And that is why it is um, unnecessary and it's made for TV and we should stop taking it seriously as a real NBA event. That's it. That's this probably been... enough about it. It's <laughs> probably more time than anybody should spend talking about it, honestly, including in June. That's that's true, but then it takes so like so those of us who actually cover it, like it it requires so much time and effort to actually go cover the event. It's a red carpet event, which it is it, it can be cool. I'm not saying it's not a cool event. It's not um it's not inter- interesting to see who's who's there, but it is a it is a big old hassle right between uh, the draft and free agency, two um events that actually matter. So anyway, that is that is our stance on that. Um, okay, Brett. Um, before we go. I want to know what restaurants you had planned your playoff meals in New Orleans at. I want to, I want, so this is kind of like an RIP New Orleans playoff hopes podcast, at least until further notice. Um, what, uh, where, where were you planning on eating? Well, I would have gone to Koshan certainly. Cause that's, that's like an every, every time I, I go, I have to go to Koshan. That's a requirement. It's kind Wait, of a... b- b- butcher or the dining room. I like the butcher, um, okay. but the dining room is also excellent. I think the dining room al- almost gets a little bit, underrated because everybody goes to the butcher now the butcher has become so popular and it's like a destination uh particularly among nba writers it's kind of the place that everybody likes to go um so i, I think the, so for the, so for those listening who don't know koshan is you know a fancy white tablecloth restaurant yeah. in in new orleans and then kind of in the alleyway behind there's another entrance to um koshan butcher which is basically a sandwich shop and a bar that has some of the best sandwiches you'll you'll ever have they have a um, a porchetta sandwich, a buffalata sandwich, um, what, whatever else, um, you know, any any cut of pork, basically, you could imagine. Um, so that, that's it's tremendous. It's yeah, it's it's incredibly good. And that, that's like the place to me, even the even the, the dining room where you can go and you kind of share a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 so good. Um, I definitely would have gotten a fried chicken sandwich at Willie Jean. That's a place I don't know that everybody talks about in New Orleans, but very convenient to the central business district district, which is where the, the smoothie King center is. So it's yep. a pretty short walk. Uh, the best fried chicken sandwich in the city. Uh, don't come at me with your fast food fried chicken sandwiches. That thing is by far uh, the best. It, it's, it's a little bit cliche to say I'd go to Giacomo's, but I would um, given any Still extended, never been. Still never been there. Yeah. Any extended period of time in new Orleans, I would go to Giacomo's <sighs> if I had the time. It's a little bit, you know, it's not right in the quarter. You got to get out a little bit. But Giacomo's, anybody who ever goes to New Orleans, it, it at one time was kind of considered the best restaurant. I think it's cooled a little as some other places have come, but it was, it was kind of the the go to place for a while. And the uh, the one of the main reasons is if you go, you can get an appetizer, you get the alligator cheesecake, which sounds like a dessert, but is not, and is fantastic. It's also isn't, isn't Giacomo's like right across the street from the Maple Leaf? 
it's, or it's, yeah, it's nearby. Right, it's in the right over there. And then there's, there's also a great wine bar and a great beer bar. Uh, uh, Oak is the wine bar and ale on Oak is the beer bar. Oak street is the street that uh, Giacomo's is on. Uh, and those places are also fantastic. Because the Maple Leaf every Tuesday night is where Rebirth Brass Band plays a show yes. in, the, in, in the in the on the stage behind the bar. It's twenty five dollar cover literally every Tuesday night. It's the best best brass band in New Orleans, and it's um, so the move. I've I've gone on Tuesday night, but I didn't make it to Jacquemus for dinner first. But the move is go to go to Jacquemus for dinner, and then um, and then and then wander on over to uh, the Maple Leaf and see Rebirth. There's so I mean there are so many good places. I think when you were there last week, you went to District Donuts, which is like a great. If you're just like popping in for something quick for breakfast, awesome spot. There's, you can't go wrong in New Orleans almost. I remember I once asked a friend. I was out walking around the city. I was not uh, uh, on Bourbon Street. I was off, but uh, pretty close to the quarter. And I texted a friend to ask, where could I just go grab some gumbo where I am? And he said, literally anywhere that isn't like brand new. Because if they couldn't make a cup of gumbo, they couldn't stay open. Like it's just, there's just too many places that do it well. If you can't do it well, you're out. Forget it. So I mean, he was right. I, I, I've had times where it's like I'm on a long walk in New Orleans. I love walk, walking around cities and I'll, I'll just walk into a bar or I'll walk into a, you know, a restaurant. I'll get a sandwich. And then I just realize, you know, later that it's like on it's it's on the list, right, of places to go. You must go in New Orleans because right. so the, almost every place is almost every place is is excellent. Uh, there's so many people there cooking exciting, um, exciting interpretations of, you know, Cajun Creole food that it's. Well, you've talked me back into it. Go Pelicans. Come on, you can do it. Get make make this run. <laughs> it can be done. Nate Silver still thinks it can be done. And 18%. Wait, what is it? Is it 18%? Is that what they're down to? Uh 43. Oh, they're still at 43%. They're still okay. ahead of everybody else. So that you know. just seems that's just a tough hill to climb, especially if you're gonna be out there losing to the Timberwolves. That's but, the Carl Anthony Towns, although I guess they probably win more without Carl Anthony Towns than they have with him lately. Hold on. That's I mean yeah, you know, it's funny. They, they do play the Timberwolves again in a couple of days on Sunday. But I mean, you know, this is going to be interesting. There's a Pelicans Kings game next week, March 11th. The Kings are kind of in the mix. They that really would, are. That, that would strange. be that, that would be a that would be a um, an eye catching win for Sacramento. Um, but certainly one that uh, New Orleans needs. All right. Well, we'll talk more about the playoffs as we get closer, which is every minute of each passing day, actually, come to think of it. But um, it will remain a part of our conversation until we get there, as will the MVP race. I'm excited. I think you are, Brett, also for these these next couple of games. We did not even get into the Lakers-Clippers um, situation. Um, do you have a pick in that game, just real quick? I think the Lakers are going to win one. I think they're going to get the Clippers. And I think they, you know, we've talked about this in in before the second game. I think they need is a strong word, but I, I, I think it would be, it would behoove the Lakers to get one of these, at least set yourself up to one, not blow the, the, the lead. If, if it should get to a tiebreaker situation. Um, but also just, I think you'd like to go into the playoffs having either split or at least won one of these games against the Clippers. I've said this before the last two years, the team I covered swept its first round opponent in the regular season and then lost in the first round of the playoffs, the thunder uh, to the jazz two years ago. I'm over here Blazers making it last cho- year, making the choking motion. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yes. The Reggie Miller, you're just Reggie Millering right now. Um, so it doesn't, the regular season doesn't matter in the sense of getting into the playoffs and, and, you know, the matchups are, everything's different. Your starters play a little more, there's more time in between games. So it minimizes a little bit of depth and maybe a little bit of age gap or whatever the, the case might be. 
I still just think psychologically it's it's best for the Lakers to get one. And the other thing is I, I think you want to see LeBron James play a good game against the Clippers, which he has not done in the first two. Yeah, I think, and I think this is the one, right? I mean, I think, you know, by the time we get to the third one, it's April 9th. It's going to be the third game in three nights for the Lakers as part of the the, uh, the reschedule. Um, it's a TNT game, so I don't know that guys are going to be resting per se, but I do think that you're going to see, um, I think there's a decent chance that you're not going to see the Lakers at full strength, um, really maybe for any of those games down the stretch, those last half dozen games or so. Um, so, I, I think this is the one. I think this is the one the Lakers need to win to show to, to show themselves as a test that they can that they can beat the Clippers at full strength head to head. That's something. That's in, that's information. That's a data set they just don't have. So I'm picking the Lakers in that one because I think it's out of necessity. So anyway, we'll we'll fact check ourselves on Thursday of next week when we're back here on Basketball Reasons, part of the Forum Club on the Athletics Podcast Network. You see how I got all those in that time really well. That's great. I think it's just it a, some of you, my best you're work. the you're the real MVP. Take that, Giannis. All right. Uh, he's Brett Dawson. I'm Bill Oram. We'll be back next week. We'll know a little bit more about the Lakers when we talk next. And we're looking forward to it. Thank you for listening. Subscribe.